Hallelujah, come on, he's a wonder-working God, amen. I'm so glad that, that the power of God didn't end when the book was written. I'm so glad that from the, from the start to the end of the Word of God, we see that He loves us. We see that He's involved in our lives. We see that He's a miracle-working God, a providing God, a healing God, an ever-present help-in-time-of-needs kind of God from the start to the end. But I'm so glad it didn't end there. It didn't end there. <clears throat> He's been good in my life. He's been good in your life, amen. He's still good, and He still moves, and He still speaks, and He still does miracles, and He still heals, and He still provides, and He still walks alongside, and He's still here, amen. Come on. Hallelujah. God is good. Can I get an amen? Amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Today is the day that the question is finally answered. Who loves God more than football? You do. You don't. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of y'all online people, we love you. We're just, we're just playing games. But uh, how y'all doing? Anyway, everyone, everyone good? Having a good time in church so far? Yeah? So good to be in church with you. I know you said it at the start. And you do feel like you're vomiting it, don't you, when you say, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like we all say it, and, and, and we say it so much it feels like vomit coming out of our mouths. But like it's true. There's nowhere else I'd rather be than here with you, worshipping God. And uh, I'm so glad that you're here. And <clears throat> I just want to tell you, I love you. I'm so glad that you're here. And I don't know, I don't know everybody, but, but I tell you what, God loves you. We love you, and I love you. Uh, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've seen. I love you, and I'm glad you're in God's house today. And, uh, and He's got a word for you that's going to bless you and help you take your life and your walk with God, I believe, to another level. So you ready for that? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm reading from Jude, and Jude is a cool book in the Bible because I don't know about you, but, but uh, if you've ever looked at other believers and been like, did they just say they just finished the book of Romans? And you're like, man, they're a super Christian, right? Have you ever thought that? You know, man, I wish you could be like, damn, they just read Romans in a month. That's amazing. They read all the Psalms in a year. I'm like, they're amazing, right? And uh, well, you know what? Today, you could read the whole book of Jude while at a stoplight on the way home and tell your friends, I too read a whole book of the Bible. I too am a super Christian. All right. And so the book of Jude, it's 25 verses. That's it. There's no chapters. There's no such thing as Jude chapter 1. It's just Jude verse 1 and uh, to verse uh, 25. Today I'm going to read from verse 1 uh, to verse 4. And I'm going to start at verse 3 and 4. And here's why. Because uh, someone mentioned Jude recently, and whenever I think of Jude, I get excited, particularly in the season that we're in now, uh, the book of Jude. Uh, in Bible college, uh, they told us it, the book of Jude is a, um, is a warning against heretics. Actually, they call it a fiery warning against heretics. In fact, if you have an NIV, I, I don't, I have an ESV, but if you have an NIV at the top, it'll probably say those words somewhere, a fiery warning against heretics. And I'm like, anything like that, I'm like, giddy up, that, that sounds fun, right? You know, like uh, 25 verses and we're just going to get after the heretics. Let's go, right? And, um, but with love and grace. Right, um, and so I got a bit excited because because Jude was writing a book, uh, writing a letter to people in a similar kind of vibe the, as what we're in these days, um, and so so it's really interesting when you think about it in terms of where we are now. So anyway, the bit that I first wanted to go to was from verse uh, verse three and four. It says, "Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about this." Uh, about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write about this. And I just want to, uh, the only reason I want to stop here for a second is to let you know that, it, it, that it's, it's not just me that comes with a plan to preach on one topic and then goes to a different one, all right? <clears throat> okay, Jude is like, y'all, I was going to talk to you about this, but I needed to do this instead, all right? And so preachers getting distracted by the Holy Spirit has been happening since the book was written, all right? 
says, Beloved, though I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to all the saints. Now, what that means is to fight for the faith, to stand up for the faith, to speak up for the faith. Amen. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for condemnation. They're ungodly people. They pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. And they deny our only, the word only is very intentional there. They deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. And so you read that and you're like, man, what is going on in this church, right? Like they've got, they've got some crazy people that have come in and are trying to pervert the faith. They take grace for granted and they say, it'd be like, you know, well, I can go and sleep around because God's grace is here. Or I can marry whoever I want or I can be with because God's grace will cover me, right? And they pervert God's grace into sensuality is what it talks about. So I was like excited. That's a great word to preach. But I felt like I was missing something. So I went back to verse one and this is what I want to read to you. It says, Jude, I, Jude, right? So when you'll notice a lot of the apostles, they start off like that. It's just like when you write an email to somebody that you've never met. You're like, yo, it's Jesse from Eternity Church, just reaching out to say what's up, you know. <clears throat> um, that's Jude at the start. Hey, I'm Jude. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, and I'm the brother of James. And now he's speaking. Remember, verse 3 and 4 is to people who are overwhelmed are afraid and are surrounded by heretics and all sorts of ungodliness. And to those people, he says, Hey, I'm talking to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept in Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you, or multiplied in your life. Or as it says in the NIV, May you have, great, where you have mercy, peace, and love in abundance. Amen. What a great word. Come on, let's pray together and, uh, uh, before we get ready to preach the word. Heavenly Father, we all just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that, that, that no matter what kind of season we are in, uh, in our lives and, and, and in our families and in our country and in this world, that God, we can usually find some, some season in the word where you have spoken to us, you have instructed us, or you've helped to uh, get through a similar situation, God. And so God, I pray that today that you would use this word uh, from Jude to really encourage us and to help all of us to draw strength uh, for the season that we're in, that, that today we would leave this place having been encouraged, having been reminded of your goodness and inspired to do more, to contend for the faith. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. 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 Come on, come on, come on. You may high five your neighbor and you can take your seat. All right. Now, are y'all awake? Now, are y'all awake? Yeah. All right, good. Preaching to the fired up service today. So, hey, thanks for coming to church today on Super Bowl Sunday. As I said online, if you didn't come to church first, your team was going to lose and your hot dog would give you the trots. And so, um, so it was a good idea to come to church to protect your day, right? And so, it's like grace before dinner. If you don't say grace, you get indigestion, right? Who knows? I'm not going to find out. So... <laughs> Hey, um, so remember I said in the second half, right, Jude was writing to people who were going through a crazy season, right? He was writing to people who were second-guessing their faith, even some of them. Uh, he was writing to people who were surrounded by heretics out there pushing false, ungodly narratives and a theology that Jude felt he needed to write a letter that it was entirely devoted to helping the saints through that season, right? And, uh, and because if you're in church and you're in a faithful church, um, but you're surrounded by heresy and heretics or ungodliness and uh, sensuality, uh, the grace of God taken for granted, when, when you're in a godly church and in a relationship with God and you're surrounded by that, it can be difficult, maybe overbearing, maybe even give you some fear and anxieties in your lives, right? And so what Jude does is he writes a letter to let everybody know that in the midst of all of this, you are going to be okay. You who are called, you who are loved, you who are kept, 
you are going to be okay. Now, I don't know what's going to happen to them, but you are going to be okay. And, and, and so he writes this letter to let them know that. And, and I really do believe in my heart that today that God sent me to tell you that you are going to be okay. Okay? Listen to me. You are going to be okay. I'm, I'm not just having this idea and trying to prophesy some willingly thing over your lives, but I've read the Word of God, and, and I'm telling you right now, God wants you to know that no matter what you're going through, you are going to be okay. Right? And, and I say that because I know a lot of people are overwhelmed, worried, maybe have fear uh, in their lives. Um, <clears throat> they, they, they fear for the future of our country or, or the future of the faith and all these other things. And some of you are so worried about politics and who's in the White House, who's not in the White House, uh, whatever else. And I want you to know that no matter who is in the White House, you are going to be okay. You understand that? You are going to be okay. That it doesn't matter that, listen, that listen, that the Democrats and the Republicans are not the saviour. He is the saviour and you are going to be okay. Amen. Because he is your saviour. My strength is found in him alone. Amen. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. And you are going to be okay. Do you understand that, church? Some of you are worried about what's happening with gender and marriage and we look at what's happening in our world and it is overwhelming and it is wrong, um, but, but, but it's wrong also for us to let that overwhelm us and, and cause us anxiety. We've got to take it to the Lord because in spite of all of that that's going on around us, you are going to be okay. You're a believer. You who are called, you who are loved, you who are kept, you are going to be okay. And I, I, I feel like I've got to keep saying it over and over and over because I really felt the Lord press on my heart that this is what you need to know, that your budget may not be working because of inflation, but you are going to be okay, right? That you may have family issues, but you are going to be okay. You may have been fired. You may have just been hired. You may have got a new job. You, 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 may, not, you may have been turned down for a promotion. I don't know what's happening, but I do know this, that you are going to be okay. Scripture says that all things work together. Come on, all things work together for those who love the Lord, work together for the benefit of those who love the Lord and are called. Come on, anyone here love the Lord? Come on, then, and you're the called, amen, <clears throat> and are called according to his purposes. Now, people always like to say things like, it's all going to be okay in the end, and that's not true for everybody. It's not true for those who are not children of God, but it is true for those who are. You are called, you are loved, you are kept, and it's all going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And I think some of you will need to know that word right now. This is the word that you came for today. That in spite of all this fear and anxiety going on in your life, you're going to be okay. God's got you. God's got this. And he has a plan for you in the middle of it. Amen. And so Jude's writing to people who are in a situation that may be not exactly the same, but, but somewhat similar to what we're going through today in terms of the political environment, uh, in terms of the upheaval in, the, in their nation, in terms of um, the immorality going on around them, but particularly also in regards to people in the church that have given up on truth so that they can pursue sensuality and whatever they want, but also so they can fit in with what the world's doing. And, and, and so we're in a similar situation today, aren't we? And, and so Paul, uh, sorry, not Paul, Jude, before he, even, um, before he even gives them the, well, here's what you need to do, all right? Because it's good. God often does come and say, well, y'all need to do this, okay? And, but before he gets into, you need to do this and this and this uh, um, for the cause and for the kingdom. What he comes in and he says, I got three words for you first that are a foundational thing to help you get through this or get out of this, right? Whether he's going to get you out of it or get you through it, there's three things that he lets you know right at the start, foundational, important things that have to do with your identity in God. And he says, you who are called, you who are loved, and you who are kept. And so today I've got those same three words for you. Someone say, I am called, I am, called. I am loved, I am loved, and I am kept. I am kept. Got the same three words for you today. 
Now I'm going to start with I am called. And now who knows that in the word of God, that, 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 that God's big and his words have big meaning, right? And, um, and so, so, but now I'm not going to add meaning just based on a modern interpretation of the word because um, language changes, right? Like gay meant happy, now it means homosexual, right? Like, so we're not just going to add a modern interpretation to an ancient uh, intention, right? But when we look at all the meanings of the, these words called and loved and kept throughout the scripture, we see that God had a lot of intention involved in that word, right? And, and, uh, and so the first part is understanding that being called uh, speaks to how you are on purpose, right? That was very intentional, that God created you on purpose, with a plan to bless your life, right? And that, 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 that you're not an accident. You know, I talked about that a couple of weeks. You're, you're not the result of a lucky monkey whose genome switched just a little bit, and now, g'day, we can talk and stuff, and that's real cool. You're not a lucky monkey, okay? That's not, you, you were designed by God as you are. Come on, you were designed by God. He has a plan for your life. And, and, and in a couple of months ago, we preached on abortion. And what we did, we talked about how Scripture tells us that from within my mother's womb, God called my name. Within my mother's womb, God called my name. We also talked about it. It says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, right? So there's a lot of intentionality in your life. God specifically chose individually that you would be created and endowed with power and purpose from on high. God did that. You are on purpose. Amen. That's good news. Amen. See, your identity. See, we live in a world where, uh, where, where we sort of get to call ourselves whatever we want to call ourselves. Right? We live in a world where we get to self-identify. You know, everybody's got their pronouns in their bio. Could I tell you that Christians should not have pronouns in their bio? It should just be obvious which one you are, the one God made you. Can I get an amen? Right? You don't need pronouns in your Bible, and we need you young people to get those pronouns out of your social media, out of your bio and stuff. You just need to be what God says you are. Instead of the pronouns, say, I am who I am said I am. Come on. I am who I am said I am. Listen, and what I, I only bring it up to tell you this, that the, 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 the most fulfilled you'll ever be in your life is when you allow yourself to line your life up with who God says that you are. Now, when I say self-identify, I'm, I'm not just talking about um, things like, you know, well, I'm a hunter, all right? No, that's what you do, and in our modern language, we say I'm a hunter, all right? Uh, you know, well, in all language, you know, uh, or, or I am a singer or whatever else, right? But I'm talking about these foundational created moments where God decides and defines what you are. That's who you are, and, and you have the value that he says that you have, and the purpose that he says that you have, and your life will be blessed as you live it the way that he calls you to live it. Can I get an amen? Right? But there's also these, it's not just this idea that maybe gender or relationships or whatever else, uh, and it's very easy for believers, particularly in this season, and you're talking about heresy and heretics, right, to be like, yeah, it's all the gender stuff. You know, no, 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 listen, there's also other areas as well. How about this? I'm a sinner. That's not true. Why? Because God says otherwise. See, I was a sinner. And now I am a righteous, holy, saved, set-apart person who has a problem with sin still. But I'm not a sinner, all right? That's not who I am. I used to say that all the time. We're all sinners. And a friend of mine, his name's E.M. Leonard, comes to our church. He's a great godly man. Um, and one day I said it in a sermon, and he texts me after church, and he goes, you've got to stop calling yourself and all of us sinners because we're not. Listen, I love it when someone in the... Now everybody's like, well, I'm going to text him too. Please don't. <laughs> We only had 12 people at the time. It was a lot easier to read all the text. But, uh, but he's like, we're not. And I was like, you're right, we're not. And, and it's just a bad language I've been using, a bad identifier, you know, because according to the word of God, now I am the saved, I am the righteousness of, Christ, of God in Christ Jesus, right? 
I'm not a sinner. I'm like Paul. I may have a thorn in my side, God willing, he helps me remove it someday, but I'm not a sinner. Paul himself says, you know, he, he says stuff about, you know, um, the adulterers, the homosexuals, the liars, the thieves. And he, he, he doesn't just say the sin, but the titles that the world gives people who do these things, right? And he says, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed. Come on, but you were, someone say it, washed. But you were washed, so you're not that now. And so when it, when it comes to being in a difficult season, understanding who you are and who you are not according to God is going to help you have the strength to move forward and become all that He's called you to be, starting with you're saved, you're righteous, you're holy, amen? And so in all these areas, this cold thing, and I'm not going to spend much time here, but this cold thing, speaks about your identity and who God says that you are. He had a very specific plan for you, a very specific plan. In fact, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it goes on to say that then it says, and and God said, let us make mankind in our image. And so then in the image of God, he created them, right? Now, there's this idea, or, or I don't know if it's necessarily an idea or some heretic or heresy theology, or more just a, a, an idea in people's minds, that there was like billions of souls floating around waiting for God to create a body to stick them in. And it's, it wasn't like that. You know, number one, that devalues your human experience, all right? Uh, but, but number two, you, you, you weren't just some soul some disembodied soul waiting to be put in a body. But when God created you, he created you, uh, spirit, body, and soul at the same time, right? And so God's like, all right, let us make Pastor Connor. Let us make Pastor Joe. Let us make Pastor Rob. And when he did that, he, 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 boom, there you are. You were nothing. And then he created you on purpose, right? Not as some disembodied soul, but he created your soul and your body at the same time. Now, that's important because you've got to understand this. And when he did that, when God said, let us make mankind in our image, boom, he thought of you and then he put you here. He put you 2,000 years ago. He put you here. See, I don't know the circumstances of your conception. I don't, I don't know uh, how you were raised. But I do know this, that in all of it, God had a plan intentionally to put you here for a reason. Amen. Amen. See, when Paul says uh, called, um, he often would say called and set apart, right? This idea of calling also speaks to being called out from or called into, right? And so Paul talked about called and set apart, right? Now in scripture, that word is consecrated. If you've ever seen the word consecrated, it just means set apart, right? And so when you're, when you're measuring your ingredients at home for your recipe and you consecrate a cup of it, <clears throat> you've set it apart for this. Does that make sense? Right? So set apart. Now, obviously, scripturally, it means a whole lot more than that. It's been set apart with holy and, you know, divine purpose, right, from God, <clears throat> But Paul talks about being called and set apart. In Romans, he starts it off. He says, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, called and set apart by the will of God, right? And so it's set apart. Now, now, let me illustrate set apart for you, good and bad. Uh, When Lauren and I got married nearly 15 years ago, it's 15 years in March, so long, and she's still here. Miracle. What a a miracle that she would... um, stick around so you know she took her vows seriously because I'm sure there's many times she's like this dude man but but she's still here praise God and um but but like when we got married Arnie Kathy Arnie Gail and Arnie Pat they put together to buy Lauren and I a uh, cutlery set right a special bougie Stanley and Rogers cutlery set right now y'all know it wasn't Uncle Ben and it wasn't Uncle Ken and it wasn't Uncle Neville, it was the ladies, okay? Um, because men um, on the way to the birthday party think of a present. Women beforehand love you enough to plan it, <clears throat> right? And, um, but so Aunty Kathy, Aunty Gail, and Aunty Pat, they put together, they bought us a Stanley Rogers, a uh, really bougie cutlery set. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how Aussies eat. When we eat, we like eat super bougie. Remember that? All right. Like fork in the left hand, knife in the right hand, and, and that's all cool. And then I got a whole bunch of texts and emails afterwards from people being like, yeah, we kicked the king out for a reason. We don't want none of that crap in this country. 
And I'm like, okay, cool. <clears throat> but they said I could stay, so that's good. And, um, but anyway, so not only do we eat bougie, like we also like to have a bougie cutlery set. And so we have one cutlery set that, that, that you know, that, that's for everybody. We have one cutlery set that, that anybody can use, right? But then we had our Stanley and Rogers cutlery set that it was saved, it was set apart for special occasions, for special purposes, right? But what we noticed was 13 years, 12, 13 years later, it had never been used. And so we had this consecrated cutlery set that was set apart uh, and, and, and it wasn't set apart for a special moment when you come to visit it was set apart for a special moment when the queen comes to visit all right we wanted to make sure we could eat properly and give her cutlery worthy of her royal highness right and so we had this special cutlery set and, um, but we realized after a while that we were never ever using it it had never been used it had just sat in a shelf it, it wasn't being used for its purpose at all. It was supposed to be used to eat on special occasions. Well, many special occasions had come and gone and we weren't using it, right? Um, but, but it was set apart. Uh, the, uh, um, a couple of, what is it, maybe, I don't know, a few months back or whenever, a while back, I was walking around the mall in a pair of shoes, right? Different story. Walking around the mall in a pair of shoes um, that I bought. I bought this pair of um, Jordans uh, for about $120 and... Um, and, I, and, and they're pink. I don't know if you've seen the pink ones that I wear sometimes. Um, yeah, usually any time I wear anything pink, there's farmers in the service that text me afterwards and say, would you be a man already? And I'm like, <clears throat> I am, and I like pink. But I, one day I was wearing these pinkish, they're called crimson, FYI. I was wearing these crimson Jordans around the mall, and some random dude wanted to buy them off me for like 200 or $250. And I was like, and he, I don't know, dude's a giant, they didn't fit him. But I had these shoes on. Dude wanted to buy the shoes off my feet right there and then. And I'm like, this is weird. Um, um, I think I'll just, you know, keep them if that's okay. And, and you know, snowing outside and don't want to step in that without shoes on. And yours aren't going to fit and mine aren't going to fit you. So we can't even trade. So I'm going to keep my shoes. <clears throat> I thought that was weird. Like, why does he want to buy my shoes off my feet? Anyway, um, just last week I was at, the, I was at, the, um, I was at a store to buy shoes for Judah, and, um, and, the, and the guy at the store, I was wearing the same pink, gloriously manly shoes again, um, and the dude looked down at my feet, and he, and he goes, why are you wearing them? I was like, well, because they're shoes, <laughs> you know, and he's like, no, like, you know what they're worth, right? I'm like, well, I know what I paid. I, I, don't, I guess I don't know. I just Some dude did want to buy them off my feet once, but I didn't really understand what was happening. He goes, if I was you, I would take them off. I would clean them. I would take them. I would put them on a shelf in your closet and in a year or two, sell them for $2,000. Wow. He goes, everybody wants those shoes. And I'm like, well, I got them for 120. They're probably fake. I got them online. <laughs> I don't know. From, from NikeShoesAndStuff.com, right? And so I made that up. Someone go patent that though. And so I'm like... So, but, but here's the thing, the moment I discovered that these shoes that I paid just normal shoe price for, the moment I discovered that they could be worth $2,000, I immediately wanted to take them off my feet and put them in a sh on a shelf and never use them again, right? And I think some of us do that with our lives. See, you're very valuable, absolutely. You've been called by God for a specific purpose at a specific time for a specific thing. And, and, and so you have purpose. You've been set apart. But so many of us, we set ourselves apart like as in we don't even get used for the purpose. We're just a pair of shoes on a shelf. But God has called you to this, to this season in this time for a purpose right now. And shoes are meant to be on your feet. They, they, it, it's all right for them to get some dog poo on them so it doesn't go on your socks, all right? That's what they're meant for. And you have been called and set apart for this season for a reason right now. And it may be crazy. It may be crazy. But here's the thing. In God's foresight, God predestined you for this season. See, Ephesians says that you're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus by God to do good works that he prepared in advance for you. See, God doesn't look ahead. God didn't look ahead and, and be like, oh, well, uh, uh, that's crazy. I didn't know that was going to happen. 
No, no, God planned you in advance. And when He created you, He saw the way the world would be right now and He sent you. He sent you to this season for a reason. And so you need to listen. Because even though you may be going through turmoil and drama in your own life, God still has purpose and calling for you in this life. All right. So even right now, while you don't have it all together in your own life, God wants to use you to minister to and to speak to others and to stand up and to contend for the faith. Amen. I find that God always has a plan for me everywhere I go. Almost always, right? So I think I've told you about that before, right? I just want to have a coffee and then somebody wants to talk and I'm like, fine. You all know, you all heard me talk about that before. Like God wants to ruin every coffee that you plan to have, right? He wants you to have a conversation with somebody when you want to chill and have a coffee. Even just this week, I was at a, um, what was it, a... um, I was at a conference for senior pastors at West Palm Beach in Florida. And so while you were all here enjoying your families, I was suffering for the Lord. And um, you don't know the commitment I have to this church. I was willing to go to the sunshine and swim in the ocean at West Palm Beach in Florida for you. Yeah, my pleasure. Love to serve. Love to serve. On my way down there, I, um, uh, I had to take two flights, one to Atlanta, and then a layover, and then from Atlanta to, to, to Palm Beach, Florida. Um, and now, um, on the plane, on the way there from Des Moines uh, to, to Atlanta, it was afternoon, I already worked a full day on Tuesday, I'm like, I've got to fly down there. Um, and so I had planned to watch uh, Hawaii Five-O, right, on the plane. Now, I used to watch NCIS, but they got too woke and annoying for me, and they kept trying to tell me how to be... Uh, a person, and I was like, I'm done with you. So I'm like, all right, Hawaii Five-0, we're going to start from 10 years ago, and that's when I liked TV, right? 10 years ago. So I'm like, all right, Hawaii Five-0, and, uh, and I get on the plane, and the Wi-Fi wouldn't work. And I'm like, no, seriously, I need to watch this. I need to chill. I've already worked all day, I'm, I'm, you know? And so I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to watch Hawaii Five-0, and, then, and it's not happening. And, and, it could, and then finally, like 10 minutes before it's time to land, the Wi-Fi starts working. So I log on, and I get to Amazon Prime, and Amazon wants to validate that I'm really me now and sends me a text to a phone that has no signal, and I'm like, why? And admittedly, I traveled with a friend named Heath, and I even said to him, I said, I don't even know why I'm so angry right now, but I'm so angry. You know, like, oh my gosh, I'm so angry right now, right? And so I was so mad at the stupid Wi-Fi, and then at the stupid phone, and, and it wasn't, and I actually honestly started writing my sermon in a gap of that, and I'm like, this is a bad idea. It'd be the angriest sermon I ever write. And, and so, and, and anyway, I'm sitting on, and I was so frustrated. I don't know why. I just was frustrated. I really wanted, I'm not addicted. Stop judging me. I just wanted to watch Hawaii Five-0. Anyway, we get off the plane. And at this point, I'm actually like just agitated because I didn't get to watch Hawaii Five-0, right? <clears throat> Super immature. And so, and I'm like, well, if the stupid Wi-Fi doesn't work on the next plane, I'll be fine because I'm going to pre-download it, right? So I, I, I used my cellular data, which is a really dumb idea, by the way, to waste all your cellular data downloading Hawaii Five-0. But I downloaded like three episodes, and I'm like, I'm good to go now, right? And so I get on the next plane, and, um, and I sit down, and, and I get everything out, and I'm like, good to go. It's on my iPad this time, not my computer. It's pre-downloaded. I've got headphones. And then I'm talking to Heath, who he's across from me, and then the guy in front of Heath, and so we had an aisle, and, and then, you know, so me, and an aisle, and then a dude over there, and, he, and he's gone like this a bit, like, you know, like, because when you have an accent, people hear it, you know what I mean? Like, like you cannot do undercover boss um, when you have an accent, you know what I mean? It just doesn't work. You cannot be a spy. If you're here and you have an accent and you're like, I'm going to be a spy, it's not going to work, all right? And so everybody sees, just hears you, you know? And so this dude, he hears me and he's just talking. He's like, oh yeah, what do you do? I'm like, I do this. And I'm like, what do you do? He goes, oh, I was a superintendent of school districts and blah, blah, blah. And now I consult and I help. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, and then anyway, and then, and then he goes about his thing and I go about my thing. And, and, I'm, and now the, the moment that I'm called for had arrived. I get to watch NCIS. <laughs> and I'm like, now I'm living in my calling. This is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. 
And I get about 20 minutes into it, and, and I'm looking down at my iPad, down, and then I just, I just see it, you know, in my peripherizers, you know? And I, I just see it. That's a word. Look it up. And I just see it, that there's a guy who's up in front of me, and he's like going like this. And he's... And I'm like, don't look. <laughs> don't look up. You know, it's like at the gym. Don't look up. Put your headphone, don't look up, you know. And, uh, and then I do, I'm like, and then immediately he's like, and I'm like, I guess I'll take my headphones off. What's up, mate? What's up? And he goes, hey, you know, uh, I was wondering, can, can I talk to you about Jesus? You know, and, 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 and I was, you know, like, oh, sorry, can you talk to me about Jesus? And I'm like, Fine. <laughs> now, I ain't even kidding. I had five to eight seconds where I'm just like, why? <laughs> like, why now? Like, I know you're going to burn in hell if we don't have this conversation, but why now, you know? Like, like, nobody cared about salvation. Nobody cared about Jesus when I had no Wi-Fi. <laughs> at all. Nobody gave a crap about their salvation on the last flight, but now I'm 20 minutes into an episode of Wi-Fi though, living in my calling. Now you want to know about Jesus. So I said yes. But I did get over it because I did, I'm sitting there and I'm like literally for the first couple of seconds, I'm like annoyed. I'm like, like dude wants to talk to me about Jesus. And I'm annoyed because I want to watch Wi-Fi And so and then, you know, you get that moment where the Holy Spirit's like, bang, bang. You know, just like <laughs> forehand, backhand, one movement. And I was like, I'm a, let's talk about Jesus. And I'm going to enjoy this conversation. We had a great conversation, right? An amazing conversation about Jesus, what God could do in school districts if schools would let him in, let, let, let the Lord in, and what God could do in his life, and all this. A fantastic conversation. Really blessed that guy. It really did, and, and it blessed me too. And, um, but here's the thing. Like, I find that some of the greatest influences you're going to have is when you realize you're called to this moment, and that moment is this life, right? That right now, that God intentionally put you here, and all day, every day, he wants to use you to contend for the faith. He wants to use you to contend for the faith, to stand up for the faith. And we did very loudly and very boldly talk about dumb things that are going on in schools and school districts. And we, didn't care. we ain't going to whisper, you don't contend for the faith by being like, like, you know what I mean? So we were just loud and bold and talked, right? And, uh, but it blessed him and it blessed me. And, and I'm telling you, some of the greatest influences you're going to have are going to come out of, uh, out of interruptions in your life, right? I say all that to say this, that when God planned you, he planned you for now, for right now, that in spite of all that's going on in the world and all that's going on in your life and all that's going on politically, is Ukraine and Russia, is that going to happen? I don't know, but God called you to right now, whether or not that happens. Inflation, well, God called you to right now. Gas, well, God called you to right now. Trump's the president, God called you. Biden's the president, God called you, right? No matter what's going on in the world, you are not accidentally in this moment because two people slept together. You're here because in the course of history, God saw all that would happen and he used it all to make sure that you were in the right place at the right time. Amen. You're called. Someone say, I am called. The next one is, I am loved, all right? This happened to me in every service. I have been stuck like the whole amount of my time pretty much on I am called. But it's good. I am loved. In the midst of the trials and the garbage that everybody was going through, Jude reminds them that their heavenly father loves them. And I've thought about that. I have often thought about that. Like it's not just an ooey-gooey feeling. Ooh, I'm loved. Cool. Thanks for that. That made me feel good, you know. But why, why is it that in moments like this that we're reminded that he loves us? Why? Like what does that mean to be loved? Some things I know about people who are loved is they're ambitious, for starters. You notice that? Like kids who are loved, they're a bit more ambitious than, than other kids. They, they, they ask for things, perhaps, that other kids wouldn't ask for. You know, in my family, like my kids, you know, I don't know why we call them, they should be called miniature manipulation units. Um, <laughs> my kids will be like, hey, Dad, can I have this? And I was like, what? No, why? Because you love me? Really? 
now. I don't know if you saw my Instagram post this week. I'd been gone out of town for like two days, and I sent the family in a group text a message that said, hey guys, I love you all, I miss you, how y'all going? And Eli writes back, can I still have $20? <laughs> and I was like, what? I'm like, what for? Like, not just like, what do you want to spend it on, but like, what, why still? Like, where the, because I just thought still maybe make you think that you promised it to me in the past and then now you'll be cool. And, and I'm like, why, why, what makes you think I'm going to give you $20 randomly? He's like, because you love me. Little brat. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, when they say it, call me a pushover, but I don't do it because I don't have enough $20. But when they, when they do that, a little bit of me goes, no, right, I don't want to, you know, <clears throat> I do love you. But, um, but here's the thing, what I've noticed is people who are loved are more ambitious, right? Because they know that they're loved and they know that a good father wants to do good things for them. That a good father not only provides their needs, but also some of their wants too. Not all their wants, because some of the things you want would destroy you, right? Like I can tell you right now, about 10 years ago, I would have liked it if somebody gave the church $5 million. And I can tell you that back then we would not have grown and it would have destroyed us, right? Some of the things you want wouldn't be good for you. Go ahead and do it now, though, by the way. Now's fine. <clears throat> We've learned the lessons, all right? <clears throat> and so, but you know, I mean, not everything you want is going to be good for you at this time, right? But one thing I think that kids do when they realize they're loved is they... They ask for things and the asking helps them to, to begin to determine what the will of God is for their lives or what the will of their father is for their lives, right? So hear me out. Now, in the word of God, I know some things are God's will. Absolutely. It doesn't mention ice cream though, so I can't really say whether that's his will or not. But it does say that healing is, right? So when I pray, I don't pray, God, if it's your will, would you heal? I say, God, I know that you are a healer and I know it is your will to heal. And so I'm asking you to heal. I also know, God, that you have a great, a great plan, but I know it's your will to heal, so I'm asking you to heal. Do you hear what I'm saying? God, I know it's your will to bless us, so I'm asking you to bless me in this, right? Like, I know it's his will. There are some things in the word of God, I know it is God's will, right? Now, and, but then there are other things where I don't really know whether he does want me to do that or have that or not. But I ask, and, and because I know he loves me, I can trust him. See, when people love you, you can trust them. Scripture says, wives, submit to your husbands, but it says, husbands, love your wives, right? It's a lot easier to submit to someone that you know loves them because you can trust them, amen? But someone who treats you like garbage, never listens to anything you have to say, thinks that you're nothing but some voice uh, who's a better looking version of us, someone who treats you like that, you won't submit to anything they have to say, right? You know, submit to your employer. Well, if I don't know they've got our best and the best and, and that they want to do the right thing, that's not so easy to do, right? If they want me to do ungodly things, do you hear what I'm saying? But when you know that you're loved, particularly by the Father who is pure, righteous love, you can trust Him. So back to asking for things. And so kids will ask their father, Dad, can I have ice cream? Dad, can I have this $300 pair of shoes? No. Dad, can I have this? Can I have that? Right? They'll ask for things. And the way they begin to understand your heart and, and your will for them is by when you say yes and when you say no. It's the same with your heavenly father. See, when a kid says, can I have ice cream? Sometimes you say yes, because it's not, they don't want it. I'm sorry, it's not because they need it, but sometimes you want to let them enjoy something they want. But you don't say yes all the time because you know that would be bad for them, right? So, like, I, I think sometimes we, we say, God, can we have this? Yes. God, could you do this? Yes. God, could you provide this? Yeah. No, no, no. But when you know that he loves you, you can trust that his yeses and his noes are what's best for you. Someone said, how do I know if God wants me to have a Lamborghini? Well, number one, I don't even want one, but you could ask if he doesn't get you one. I think that's a pretty safe no. He didn't want you to have that. Do you hear what I'm saying? Just like a kid asks for $300 pair of shoes. No, I don't think that's good for you right now. Can we have $5 million when the church is three months old? No, I don't think that's going to be particularly good for you right now. You hear what I'm saying? No, he loves you. So ask. And then you can trust him in the yes, and you can trust him in the no. Can I get an amen? amen. And then I have a chunk I have to skip over, because um, every service I've had to skip that bit. So um, I actually told one of the services if they come back today, they'd be able to get it, but I skipped it again. 
but it wasn't my intention, so my apologies if you're back for the third time, hoping to say the bit I skipped. Um, I'm not going to say it. I'll tweet it. And so, the last, someone say, I am called. I am loved. And the last one is, I am kept. Say, I am kept. Now, during all that you're going through in your life and all that's happening in the world, know this, right? That the greatest power in the universe has got you. He's got you. He holds you in the palm of his hand. That is really, really good news. <clears throat> the greatest power in the universe has got you. Amen. Have you ever thought about what that means, though? Because, we, you know, he says he holds us in the palm of his hands, that he's got us, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, and that we are kept for Christ Jesus. Like, but what does it mean to be kept by Christ Jesus? The, the King James says kept in Christ Jesus, the, uh, the ESV for Christ Jesus. It, means, it, it all means that same thing. It's for and in. But what's it mean? Jesus said in John chapter 10, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Listen, there is nothing that the world can do to snatch you out of his hand. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing can shake you out of his hands. The only, you, you can, you, the only thing you can do is jump out. But no one can take you out of the Father's hands. Amen. Out of his, sorry, it goes on to say, um, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand either. And I am the Father of one. Listen, you're kept by him. That means you're looked after. That means that, that means that he's providing for you, protecting you, right? He provides your needs. Listen, Scripture says that. He talks about sparrows in the field and all the splendor, you know, and, and the lilies and stuff. And he says, how much more will I provide for your needs? This is not some prosperity gospel vibe. It's the Word of God say, saying that I will provide for your needs. It's not some out there kind of belief. It's just, it's just saying, I believe the Word of God. And he says he's going to look after me. He says he's going to provide what I need. He's, he's, going, to, he, 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 he's, going, to, he's going to keep me, amen? He says that, and he says he's going to protect you from evil. What that means is you're in his hands, and they can't get you out. What is it? i got something that the world can't give, and the world can't take it away. Who knows that song? There's only ever one person in the room that knows any of the old songs I sing. It's a real problem that we're having here. And so... <laughs> But he's protecting you from the evil one. Can I tell you, there are so many times in your life you don't even know what he's protected you from. There are so many times. You know, like you just have that feeling in your spirit that says, just don't go. So you don't go. And you think, well, nothing happened. Yep. Thankfully, you listened. You know, like I don't even know how many things God has protected me from. The things he's kept away from me. The temptations he's even prevented from coming to me. The other thing, though, that it means is he preserves your salvation. Salvation cannot be taken from you. It's a free gift that was unearned and can't be... Un Sorry, you didn't earn it and it can't be unearned. That's salvation, right? And, and, and being kept by Christ speaks to the preserving of your salvation. That means that when you mess up, you're still saved. Scripture says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Now, we've tried to put a lot of other little um, additives to that, right? And so now where that all began, you know, maybe don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. There's a thing in the world of, there's a thing, sorry, in the world, called, sorry, there's a thing in theology called hedge law, all right? Hedge law is what the Pharisees did, and God taught us not to be like the Pharisees. Now, what they would do is they'd say, well, getting drunk is sin, so drinking is sin. Drinking is sin, so being near someone who's drinking is sin. So what they'd do is, to protect you from the thing that is sin, they'd put a hedge around it, okay? And then, and then after a while, and that was a good motivation, right? I'm just going to stay away from that because I don't want to sin. And, but then they made the hedge sin. Then they put hedges on the hedge. And then the hedge on the hedge was sin. Now being near someone with alcohol is a sin. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
right? And so the Pharisees, they created all these extra rules about, well, if you do this, you're not saved, and you do this, you're not saved. But the thing is, man can't take your salvation. You didn't earn it. Even if you did the thing that was sin, let alone the hedge law, you're still saved. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace sustains your salvation. The way I like to say it is this, that God has called all of us to line our lives up with the word of God, but his grace sustains our salvation while we try. You hear what we're saying? You didn't earn salvation. It was a free gift from God by faith in Jesus Christ. And because of his grace, you're saved. And I say that to say this, because you need to know that, um, that you are still saved. Some of you make mistakes in your life. You need to know you are still saved. You still can go to fight with a firm foundation of salvation. You are still saved, okay? Someone once said to me that I think if, you, um, if you're questioning whether or not you're saved, you're not. I think that's absolute garbage. In fact, Scripture itself says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? So there's clearly some element of, ooh, what do I do with this, you know? Um, but what you got to understand is you're saved by grace, not performance or behavior, it doesn't mean your performance or behavior doesn't need to change. It does. But, but you're saved by grace. And, and you need to know you're still saved. We said a couple of weeks ago in a sermon that one of, the best, one of the biggest tools of the enemy to get you to bow down is to convince you that you already have. And if he can convince you that you're not saved because you messed up, well, you know that on your own you're not being able to fix these things, so you're just going to give up. If you want to be able to stand firm, and contend for the faith, you need to know the real faith is that you're saved by grace. And his grace has kept you in the palms of his hand, even when you messed up. Kind of like Paul with a thorn in your side, amen? You're not a sinner, you're a righteous person who has a bit of a sin problem still. But by the grace of God and the mercy of God and the power of God, we're going to see that fixed too, amen? Would you all stand up with me as I get ready to to land the plane. Uh, please don't leave. I've got, uh, I've got some really important things I want to talk to you about right now. This is the last portion of my notes. Um, so please, please stick around for a second. This is important. And um, Jude actually ends the letter after all of that. He ends the letter saying he is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. I do love that, that part there. He's able to keep you from stumbling. Number one, listen, it's going to be okay. <clears throat> when we talk about these you know, uh, external pressures that are going on in the world, you need to know it's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. All things are going to work out together for the benefit of those who love the Lord. Amen? Amen. It's going to be okay. But, but when it comes to the things internally and the, and the sins and the struggles of your life, Sometimes we get to a point where we're like, you know what, I'm just going to have to live with these things. But according to this, we don't have to keep living with them. Yeah. Now, you're still saved, but not only, can, not only does His grace sustain you, not only does being kept mean that your salvation is sustained, it also says and speaks to how He can prevent you from stumbling anymore. <clears throat> that this sin... Now, there'll be different things in your life. I'm not saying you'll be perfect, but, but there are some things in your life that we can see disappear. His grace sustains you when you stumble, but you absolutely can stumble less. We can stumble less. Amen? Anyone been saved for 20 years? Give me a wave, right? Now, keep your hand up if you found that he has been able to help you stumble a little less, you know? You're not saying you're perfect, but you're just saying, you know, it gets better, Right? You know, I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be, right? And so we're not, we're not ranking who's a better Christian, but it does get better. He can help you stop stumbling and falling into sin. I want to talk to you about a story that, it's a brutal story, so please forgive me. And I know there are young people in the room, um, but in this story there is a word, and the word is not a super kind word. It's not a cuss word, although I know in America y'all have made that list really long, but it's not even a cuss word in America. And, um, but, um, so it's not a cuss word, but, but it's not a lovely word. Um, but I do need to use the word for the weight of the story, if that's okay. Um, I also need you to know that the word I'm going to use is in the Bible. Okay? Um, so so if, you really, if you get mad at me for using this word, 
Um, um, don't ever read your Bible. It's in there, all right? And um, so it is in there. I'm just kidding about not reading your Bible. Read your Bible, all right? Read your Bibles, all right? Um, but, but this word's not particularly kind, and so, but, but it is in there. In fact, there's a, there's a couple of points in Scripture, because Scripture talks about how God is a jealous lover, and when we cheat on him, he calls us this word, okay? So I'm going to tell, oh, let me tell you a story. But to set it up, um, I have in my life been involved in habitual sins at different times and points in my life. And one thing I've learned about that is that, that uh, 1 Corinthians 10, when it says that when you're tempted, that God will always provide a way out. You know it says that? Now, what I have colloquially begun to call that over my life is five seconds of clarity. And I find that before I go to sin, that I've always found five seconds of clarity beforehand. Whether it's one second, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, I don't know what it is for you, but I do find this, that, that whenever I'm about to step into sin, and I said fall into sin before, but we all know we don't really. We're like, giddy up, right? We jump in, right? But whenever, whenever I've gone to, you know, to step into sin, there's been a moment of clarity where I know what I'm about to do is wrong and I have a choice whether I'm going to do it or not. Even when I was most addicted to habitual sins or whatever else, even then I still had every time a few seconds of clarity. I call it five seconds of clarity. Now what you do in those five seconds will change your life. Change your life. Absolutely, because God will always make sure there's a way out. And in that, in that moment where you see that way out, it will change your life, what you do in there. And it's, and it's the answer. It's the way out. Scripture says to flee from sexual immorality. Have you, you've read that? Right, like Joseph, right? Joseph um, and, um, and, and Potiphar's wife, you know, she wanted to have sex with him, and he's like... Just, just runs out so fast. She's got his coat. He's got no coat now. Like he fleed sexual immorality. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> then we also uh, have seen scripture when it says that not just about sexual immorality, but that we should flee all sin. It goes so far as to say, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to to lust, gouge it out. Right. It's intense. It's not literally saying that, but it's talking about the heart behind it. Make it so you can't do it. All right. Now, we all get, before we step in, we all get these moments of clarity. Now, here's a part of being kept, right? Is he's going to help prevent you from stumbling, but you still are going to have a choice. You're going to have a choice. He's a gentleman, right? So an acquaintance or, or, or a pastor guy, um, <clears throat> he was traveling. He was at a hotel once. Right, and, um, and he was at the bar having dinner. He knew he probably shouldn't have gone to the bar for dinner, but he just felt like it was innocent. I'm hungry. I'll get it quicker. I'll go down there and I'll eat a warm meal. Um, uh, for me personally, um, I, since I was 18, I don't travel alone. I haven't traveled alone, and I won't travel alone. Right? Um, I just don't think it's wise. Um, I think sometimes protecting the call of God on your life is, and not just the call, but but the gifts of God in your life, for example, your marriage or whatever else, is worth inconvenience, right? And it is inconvenient having someone with you all of the time, but it's worth it. Um, anyway, this particular guy um, made, made some judgment calls that day, and he was at the bar alone. And just down from him in his words was a, a woman that he was very attracted to, a beautiful woman. And I don't know if she was a seat down, next seat, or three seats, but she's there. She starts talking to him, and he's like, okay, um, you know, this is nice. Um, you know, and you, you sort of know, sort of, you know, you sort of know, you know, I shouldn't be doing this, but you're going for it. It's not his moment of clarity yet. Um, and, then, and then she starts talking, you know, they're having a really good time. They're laughing, ha, 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 ha. And then, um, and then she says, you know, hey, what floor are you on? And he says, well, I'm on floor two. And she's like, so am I. You know, how cool. You know, we're near each other. And they get chatting a bit more. And, uh, and, then, and, and then when it's time to go, um, they stand up and she's like, hey, um, hey, let's go up together. And, you know, let's go up together and we'll just have a good time, whatever else. Um, this is one of those moments where, like, you know, sometimes guys are just oblivious when someone's, you know, like interested in them because guys are just, like, you know, dumb a little bit sometimes. Uh, this is not one of those moments. He knew for sure that what she was saying was, let's go upstairs and, and fool around, right? He knew what was going on there. He gets up to go with her. He's like, let's go. She's amazing, right? And then he has what he calls just a moment of clear thinking. Again, I, just, I call it five seconds of clarity. So he had five seconds of clarity where it's like, well, in his flesh, there were things he wanted to go do. Scripture talks about that, the sin nature and the flesh nature, right? 
and, and, and so in his flesh, but it's almost like the flesh was peeled back and he could see clearly for a moment that God had a way out. Now, your five seconds of clarity is your way out. What you do there determines what happens next. What happens next? And he knew. Now, here's the thing. Can I tell you, when we talk about flee, when you're in that situation and you're like, no, that's not fleeing. Listen, the devil got you to stand up with the girl. He's sending someone else and something else very soon, quick, smart, in a hurry, right? <clears throat> like when, when you're about to log on to a website that, that you shouldn't be logging on to and you're excited and, you get, and the flesh is peeled back and all of a sudden you can see clearly for a moment and you're like, I, just, I won't do it, you will do it. Because you didn't flee. You just said no. You need to flee. Scripture doesn't just say, say no to sexual immorality. It says, flee it. Flee it. Cut your hand off. Gouge your eye out. Right? Flee it. So, my, so, so this guy, we'll call him our friend. Our friend here, he knew in his five seconds of clarity that I have a choice to make right now. And forgive me for the word I'm about to use. It's in your Bible. But what he did was he stopped for a moment when they stood up. He turned and he looked at her and pointed. And he just goes, whore! Whore of Babylon! I ain't saying you should do that. <laughs> now, that word is in the Bible. And the Bible actually specifically says that that's what we are when we cheat on God by pursuing things, that we put things before God, okay? So it is in the Bible. It's not a lovely word. Um, there's some, some other non-lovely words in there as well. Now, here's why, I, here's why it was important to let you know what he yelled out. He yelled that out because, well, for sure she didn't want to have sex with him anymore. Like, like that was done. Y'all know that, right? And neither did anybody else in the hotel. <laughs> he made sure that she didn't want him and nobody else wanted him, right? That's what happened right there. And again, I'm not saying we should run around and be nasty like that, but, but I'm telling you that in that moment, well, hey, the, 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 you know, sometimes the shoe fits, but that doesn't mean we should be nasty. But, 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 but what he did do was flee and made it so that can't happen now. It can't happen now. She don't want him and nobody else in the entire building wants him, right? It can't happen now. When you get your five seconds of clarity, are you going to make sure it can't happen now? Or are you just going to play with it? For too often when we know that we are tempted so strong, that we want what's in front of us so bad. Listen, if you're logging onto websites and you're ready to go and then all of a sudden you have five seconds of clarity and you're like, I can see clearly now. Look, I know because uh, if I'm honest with you, I've been there. So I know it happens that there is a moment where you're like, this should not happen. So what are you going to do? Well, I put it to you that perhaps you should smash your iPad. And your cell phone. And your computer. I wouldn't want to be inconvenienced by victory. Right? Some of y'all, I'm just putting it out there, men and women, by the way, need to get a flip phone that doesn't even have a screen. Smash your iPad. Smash your computer. Use a computer at work. Get a desktop computer at your work office or something. Some of y'all need to do that. Like, you've got to cut off the hand. Gouge See, it sounds drastic to smash your iPad, right? By the way, I smashed a phone once because I was like, well, I was just feeling really weak. I'm like, I've got to get rid of this thing right now. And I did it once. And so, but, 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 but like, it sounds drastic, but I put it to you that it's nowhere near as drastic as cutting off your hand. <laughs> right? God will give you five seconds of clarity you need to ask God before you hand up there again God what should I do when it comes for me if I end up in a situation like my friend I have decided I will probably yell out something similar I have I've just decided that and the cool thing is that I know now I have a battle plan now if you're in if you're in this constant battles we need to ask God for a battle plan so that when you have five seconds of clarity, you don't have to use the whole five seconds and hey, God, what do you want me to? Oh, time's up. Let's go. Right. Yeah. Let's ask him now. 
God, when that five seconds of clarity comes to me, tell me now what I'm supposed to do then so that I can overcome that. Yeah. If you're an alcoholic, can I tell you that, um, and you're tempted beyond what you thought you could bear and you're sitting at a bar and there is grog in front of you and you have been sober for two years and you're looking at it, can I tell you saying, not for me, is not fleeing. Get out, call a friend, go somewhere. Leave that place. Call a friend, tell them honestly, I was two seconds from throwing it away. Flee, flee, amen. So God wants to talk, God wants to give some of you your battle plan and God wants to teach some of you how to recognize his voice in those 10 seconds. If you feel like God might want to do that for you, would you come down the front right now? It doesn't mean you're looking at porn. It doesn't mean you're cheating on your wife. It doesn't mean you're an alcoholic. It could be gossip. Listen, I don't want to gossip today, ladies. I don't want to gossip today, gentlemen, to the three friends that you always gossip with is not cutting off the hand. Listen, don't ever come to my house again if you're not going to quit this crap. That's cutting off the hand. Who needs to cut off some hands? Come down the front if that's you. Come, come down. You're saying, God, I need you to speak to me. Come on. There was like half the amount of people in the, la- in, the, in the Saturday night service and 30 times more people. I know you're in here. You've got five seconds now, too, where the devil's, where, where you're going to be like, at the end of it, you're going to probably just stay back there. There we go. God bless you. Come on. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. This boldness is step one, two. Hey, look at this boldness. Just come on down. You're like, yeah, I need to know what to do in the five seconds of clarity. <clears throat> I don't just want there to be five seconds. I want to use the five seconds. Amen. Come on. God's got a plan for your life. God sent me here today to help you have victory in your life. Come on. God sent me to give you this word. Not because I'm better than you, but because I'm just the one that he chose to use today. So come on down. Come on down. We are going to have victory in the name of Jesus today. Some of y'all, it's just about contending for the faith. Some of y'all, like every time somebody challenges my faith or they say some untruth, I'm always just like, oh, I don't know. Well, you're going to have a plan now. God's going to tell you what you need to say straight away so that immediately they know you are not one of them. God's going to bless you right now. Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, start speaking to these guys down the front, these guys, these gals down the front. Just start speaking to them, ministering to them right now. I pray that you would cause faith to rise in their hearts, God. God, we know you can help them to overcome unbelief. We know you can help them to have faith rise in their hearts. We just ask you to start ministering to them all right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.